The market has changed. We knew it was coming. We saw a lot of the signs. We knew the pace of the market we experienced over the past couple of years, and more particularly from January to April of this year, was just not sustainable. A lot of us welcomed the change. As a real estate agent, I'd like to see a more balanced market. A market where buyers aren't feeling pressured in bidding wars. A market where buyers and sellers can actually negotiate a fair price. Something we've rarely seen in the past 10 years. Well, maybe we're there now, as we're seeing homes sit longer on the market before they're selling. But will this softening last? And what's behind this slowdown? Is it the increase in interest rates? Buyer fatigue? Or overall inflation? I'm Desmond Brown, and today on Sold in the Six, I'll be speaking to an expert who just might be able to help us understand what the heck's going on. Jason Mercer is the Chief Market Analyst with the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. Jason, welcome to Sold in the Six. Thanks very much for having me. So, Jason... Lots going on right now in the market, and some agents are saying not a lot is going on, actually. But um, what's your take on things right now? Well, look at I mean, maybe I'll take a step back and, and just talk about, you know, how we turned the page from 2021 into 2022. And, you know, at the end of December, you know, we were seeing, you know, the lowest level of active listings on our system in a long time. And and I would say historic low, you know, vis-a-vis the current boundaries of the GTA and 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 with the type of population growth we've seen over the last decade. And we only had 3,000 listings and change on the system. And so we started the year with extremely tight market conditions, a ton of demand relative to supply and, you know, the the resulting competition, intense competition between buyers in a lot of neighborhoods throughout the city and, and broader GTA resulted in, you know, continued double digit price growth on a year over year basis. Now, mm-hmm. uh, that's certainly changed to a great degree over the last, you know, three months or so, as we've seen three successive interest rate hikes on the part of the Bank of Canada, initially a 25 basis point hike, and then two successive 50 basis point hikes. And, you know, that has put the brakes on sales to a certain degree. Um, with, with, you know, some home buyers, um, you know, putting their decision to purchase on hold, moving to the sidelines, and and sort of recalibrating in this higher interest rate environment. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing too out here in the field. Is that it's almost like a sparring match that's going on right now between buyers and sellers, where people who want to buy are like, well, maybe it's going to come down a little bit more, and then sellers are like, look, if I go and I buy firm today, then what am I going to get for my house? So I may be overpaying. And plus, will I be able to sell my house now that there is more inventory on the market? So it's like I said, it's like a sparring match. People are feeling each other out. And um, I'm getting a lot of these questions right now. Is it seasonal? Is it uh, because of the interest rates? But you you did mention it was the interest rate you think that has uh, contributed largely to this. Yeah, I mean, in, in fact, I mean, you can really see the impact of the uh, of the of the interest rate hikes when you think about it from a seasonal perspective, because generally speaking, um, you know, we would have seen uh, sales trending upwards with the recurring seasonal trend that we see year in and year out from January through, say, May. Uh, and in fact, we've, we've seen sales go in the opposite direction. And so that only underpins uh, the, the, the impact of, of interest rate hikes. But I thought your point was an interesting one. Um, and, and, and I buy into it that there is some psychology 
um, as well. I mean, some people oh, have geez. moved to the sidelines simply because, you know, the home they wanted to purchase pre-interest rate hikes now maybe doesn't make sense from an affordability perspective. So it's not that, you know, some of these households don't want to or won't purchase a home. It's just that they need to sort of rethink what that purchase is going to look like. Is it a different type of home at a lower price point? Is it a different, you know, part of the GTA? Uh, you know, those factors could mitigate to a certain degree the impact of interest rate hikes because you're adjusting your your price point. But I think there are um, those other individuals or, 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 or households um, that are kind of looking at it. I could purchase a home right now, even with the interest rate hikes. But, you know, let's see what what pans out in the marketplace over the next few months. Are we going to see, um, you know, prices continue to dip? When are we going to see a bottom in terms of, uh, of, uh, of pricing? And we've seen that recently, you know, we saw it back in 2018 and 2019 uh, when we saw the onset of the OSFI two percentage point stress test. So we mm-hmm. did see a pretty immediate drop off in sales and that fed through into more balanced market conditions and actually, you know, average selling prices edging off. Um, and then we kind of bottomed out as, you know, midway through 2019 and started to see things, you know, pick up again. And so, I mean, that's kind of the course of, uh, of interest rate hikes and sort of the impact you see, you know, going back to the, the 1990s is that there's an initial impact, things kind of level off, mm-hmm. and then you start to see people move back into the market. Yeah, I guess what we're hoping and anticipating that we'll have a little bit more activity in September uh, when we have our traditional fall markets. And let's talk about these traditional seasonal markets that we used to have. Sure. You know? um, it looks like maybe we are getting back into that again because over the last couple of years, we had crazy Januaries and Februaries. The last two years, like you said, um, the prices with uh, were really, really high and mostly because of low inventory. Yeah. Um, now we're seeing, you know, this is a pretty early uh, summer market that we used to have, you know, these uh, summer markets where things leveled off quite a bit and there were good opportunities for buyers. Do you see us moving more in that direction now with more seasonal markets? I mean, there's been so much volatility really since 2020 that, you know, we're just starting to see sort of, you know, if you chart out sales or or price, you see that kind of regular uh, trend. And we were just starting to see that come back last year. And then and then we, you know, obviously have the impact of interest rate hikes. So you look back at 2020 um, uh, and, you, and you look now at uh, at 2022 um, and, and, you know, it's kind of you got these sort of irregular markets sandwiching what had been sort of a regular progression of things. Uh, mm-hmm. last year. So, I mean, I, I do anticipate us getting back to a, a regular seasonal trend, but that, that would be predicated on not seeing, um, you know, sort of policy moves that, that present shocks to the market that, that break us out of that regular seasonality. Yeah. Jason, um, you mentioned the OSFI um, stress test, and that leads me into speaking about all of these things that the different levels of government have tried to cool the market. So we have, like you said, the stress test. We've had the foreign buyers tax. Um, at a municipal level, we have the land transfer tax um, in the city of Toronto, as well as the province, which all it did was lead to less inventory on the market. Um, what do you think that, actually, do you think that this interest rate actually, that or the interest rate rise has finally helped with all of the other measures that have been taken through the years to to cool the market? Well, I certainly think like, you know, you're right. We've seen a, a succession 
uh, of demand side policy changes. I mean, thinking back even as far as like 2012, as we saw an initial uptick coming out of the recession, we had changes to mortgage lending guidelines around you know amortization periods and uh, minimum down payments associated with uh, with insured mortgages, mm-hmm. uh, and we saw mm-hmm. some some further changes on that. Then the Fair Housing Plan and and uh, and uh, the foreign buyers tax, and and immediately thereafter the announcement of the of the uh, Austria stress test, and and now obviously. Um, we're talking about interest rate hikes, and and there's been tweaks to the foreign buyers tax over the last few months as well. So, um, all of that, all of those kind of policies, they always have an initial impact on the market, whether uh, a real or psychological. Um, but sort of medium to long term, if you think about, you know, why are people buying homes and why are people renting homes uh, in Toronto and the surrounding suburban areas? It's because a our labor market's super tight. We're creating jobs across a diversity of sectors, catering to a great diversity. Of, of, of skill sets. And that in turn uh, leads to people moving here from all around the world. We're the single greatest beneficiary of immigration into Canada from, mm-hmm. a, from a regional perspective, from an urban perspective. Um, and, and, and so all those people require a place to live. And so mm-hmm. why have we only seen sort of temporary impacts from all of these sort of demand side policy uh, uh, changes? It's because ultimately our population continues to grow and everyone needs a place to live. So they adapt. Uh, yeah. and, and they figure out a way to purchase a home um, or if that's not in the cards initially, um, you see them rent. And that's why we're also seeing a, a tightening rental market. And I'd argue, you know, thinking about interest rate hikes and first time buyers, um, I'd argue that a lot of those households that may have put their decision on hold are looking harder at the rental market. And, and we're going to see a further tightening there as we move through 2022. Yeah, sure. I'm going to get into that with you in just a second. But what you mentioned here is that with the demand that we have for the city of Toronto, we still, in the long run, are going to have a supply problem, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, my greatest concern uh, around sort of interest rate hikes is not the interest rate hikes themselves and, and sort of the initial impact they have on on, on sales and, and market conditions. It's rather, uh, my, my hope is that they don't give policymakers pause um, to, to take their eye off the, the broader issue, which is supply. Right. Because, you know, if, if the market appears to be balancing out and you see prices sort of flatlining or even trending lower, you know, I, I hope the tendency isn't for policymakers to say, well, we don't need to concentrate on supply as much because interest rates have kind of taken care of our problem. Again, like interest rates are going to be, you know, shorter term if we don't continue to move forward. And, and credit where credit's due, um, you know, at the federal level, provincial level and at the municipal level, you know, there are initiatives unfolding uh, that are looking at bringing more supply online, both in the aggregate, but also looking at diversifying the housing stock, you know, missing middle and what have you in, in existing neighborhoods. And so, you know, we've made a lot of headway in that regard. You know, the, the trickle B is not to stop or, or, or stall that process to keep moving forward. And we have a municipal election coming up. It's going to be really important to pay attention to what, you know, those individuals vying for for public office, where they stand on the supply side and, and, and how they see on that unfolding in the various wards throughout the city of Toronto and in the jurisdiction jurisdictions, you know, surrounding uh, uh, the rest of the GTA as well. Yeah, so true. Like the municipal level is so important when it comes to getting shovels into the ground. You know, if there's all kinds of red tape, then that stalls everything, no matter what the provincial or the federal governments are trying to institute. 
Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the two levels of government that are most important from a, you know, a housing development uh, perspective, obviously, the provincial government or their purview is the Planning Act and the provincial policy statement. Um, and then that drills down at, at the municipal level. And you're right, that's where the rubber hits the road in terms of development. And, and you know, there is, we are going to see that debate, right? I mean, you've seen from the from the provincial perspective, they're putting a little bit more pressure now um, on, on, on municipalities to get things uh, going from a from a development perspective Um, and and so it'll be interesting to see again where those individuals vying for 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 municipal office you know how how they kind of uh interact with with sort of the new provincial regime we've just uh come through an election and and sort of see well you know what's my plan for bringing more supply online is it going to are we going to have the status quo from a policy perspective or are we going to see you know some some innovative thinking around bringing housing online yeah, and I really would like to see some innovative thinking. However, in most of our neighborhoods, we do have that nimbyism. So, you know, multi-unit dwellings and so on are always going to be opposed. Uh, anyway, well, we'll see what happens. We'll just have to see. Sure. So, I mean, one point I'll make on that too is is that, you know, we have our market year review and outlook every year. Um, and we always have sort of a special study, you know, that's sort of following up on whatever sort of the housing policy debate of the day is. And mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, we had Urban Strategies, which is a, a yeah. you know, well-known urban planning design firm in, in, in Toronto. And they've done work globally. And we asked them, look at, kind of give us a bit of a survey or overview of, of what sort of that missing middle sort of infill housing has looked like, not only only in, in, in Ontario or Canadian jurisdictions, but from around the world. And I'll tell you, you know, if you look at that report, go to treb.ca and check it out. Um, you know, there's a lot of really neat stuff in there. Oh, um, okay. And I can't imagine, you know, a neighborhood anywhere in the city uh, that wouldn't like to see some of that type of development come online. And so while the concept of infill housing and sort of medium density housing and what have you sometimes turns people off, I think there, there's also room for a lot of, you know, public education as well, sort of getting neighborhoods more involved and understanding what that type of development could look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think you'd see a lot more neighborhoods on side and, and that would combat sort of that that NIMBY issue and you'd actually see you know even nicer neighborhoods than we already have in in, in Toronto and at the same time you'd be providing a, a greater continuum of housing oh yeah for sure and they're just we've got to look at the positives and what that could bring so if you're still out there in the market and looking to buy something the best thing to do like I always say is to get pre-qualified and I recommend getting pre-qualified for a mortgage with Jason Georgopoulos of Dominion Lending. Jason will get you the best rates and terms available. And he's also there to help you all the way through and even after the close of your sale. You can get in touch with Jason at jasong at dominionlending.ca. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the stats. So traditionally, the lower end of the market fuels the middle and upper ends. So our lower end in the city of Toronto is mostly condos. You know, anything under the million dollar mark, we're, we're basically looking at a condo for about 80% of our purchases. Sure. Anyway, I'm just throwing a number out, but probably up from my, my experience, about 80%. The condo prices dropped uh, about 3.6% between March and April of this year. And that was the second month in a row. And I just want, but... I also read something today where the luxury market, where the prices are up by 12%. Can you try to explain this to me? 
Yeah, I mean, I I'm all, I saw that story, and, and I'm always sort of careful with with those type of stories that are sort of drilling down into you know the the various smaller neighborhoods or pockets in in the city of Toronto or or the surrounding GTA because you know whether we're in an up market or down market, um, you do have neighborhoods every month um, mm-hmm. that that may sort of buck the trend one way or another, yeah. uh, and 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 in areas that are associated with more luxury, like I think that story specifically mentioned, like the bridal path area, yeah. so. And Rose, think about yeah, yeah. that area like you know every property in that neighborhood um is 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 very much above the uh the average selling price but but some much more so than others right and and and, and so you know you could sell a five million dollar home and then a 15 million dollar home the next month and that's really going to torque those yeah. month over month stats even though you know in in, in both cases you're talking about a an elevated selling price and and so i i guess that's sort of my my words of caution around sort of okay. looking at at, at month over month change as you drill sort of further and further down sort of the geographic hierarchy um, and and then in turn start to break it down by by home types because you may only have like you know a handful of transactions from one month to the next and the nature mm-hmm. or mix of those transactions can change pretty dramatically yeah okay so let's take a look at it generally then from from your analysis taking a look at what's happening over the last few months like let's start with the condo sure. or the lower end of the market and how it's affecting the middle and generally the upper end. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the condo market um, and, and from a from a, a year over year perspective, it, it's actually performing. You know, it's performed a little bit better from a, both a sales and a pricing standpoint. And, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head that it is you know sort of that affordable option, especially if you're I mean affordable in quotes when you're talking about the the city of Toronto or GTA. But you know, certainly for first time buyers who are looking to get into the market at our our given price level, uh, you know, that's still certainly going to be sort of the entry point. Um, mm-hmm. for, for, for a lot of those households. And then, you know, looking at the other end of the spectrum um, in terms of sales, I mean, we've, we've certainly seen more of a drop off in sales in that detached segment and, and particularly in the regions, you know, surrounding the, uh, the, the, the city of Toronto. And don't forget, I mean, that was, those were areas where in the initial phase of the pandemic where we were seeing stronger uh, sales and price growth. So there's a little bit of a balancing out there, I would say. Yeah, that's right. Like a, like an area like uh, well, we generally say the nine hundred five areas, but an area let's yeah. let's let's pinpoint one like the Durham region, where our average sure. price was over a million dollars. Um, you know, nipping on the heels of what the average price in Toronto was, and we were all saying that it couldn't be sustainable. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, we, we were seeing a lot of interest in, in, in suburban areas around Toronto. I mean, some of that arguably was due to, um, you know, people being able to work from home. And I mean, we made that transition by and large uh, very successfully. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we only saw a very, you know, two or three months of, of sort of economic downturn, especially in those sectors that were associated with office work that could make that transition from, from the bricks and mortar office to the home office. And I think people took advantage of that flexibility. Um, to to a certain degree now i mean i i think that's a storyline that you know we'll be talking about in the future as well as is is how does that play out relative to to the move and back to the office um yeah. over the next year or so i mean right now we're talking about a transition we're talking about you know some sort of hybrid model and and treb did the work with uh with the board of trade uh at the end of last year and it was in and it was in this year's year in review report um where you know they very much are looking at most businesses especially in the downtown 
core at some sort of hybrid model. But how does that evolve into 2023 and 2024? And how will that impact people's, you know, housing decision um, once you're making that commute back to the office, whether it be, you know, by private automobile or, or some mode of public transit? Yeah. Okay. So we've, um, over the last couple of years, we've heard a lot about bubbles. And you know, were we in a bubble? And if we were in a bubble, do you think the bubble has burst? Well, I mean, if you look at why prices were rising, like, you know, the classic asset bubble is when prices are rising and fundamentals don't support it. Well, if you look at, you know, the market conditions over the past number of years, I mean, those fundamentals supported it, right? You saw strong sales relative to, you know, very tight inventory. You know, that's the classic supply demand relationship that, 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 that pushes prices up. And why was demand strong? Well, demand was strong because borrowing costs were low. Demand was strong because, you know, we, we were seeing, you know, very strong recovery, especially in those sectors that supported average to above average earnings, which is the home buying uh, segment. Yeah. Um, of the market. And even today, and that's why, you know, we were talking earlier, well, what, what's the impact of interest rates going to be? Well, putting interest rates aside and thinking about the other, you know, economic indicators that that, that drive housing demand, um, you know, all those still remain in place and they still support strong demand for housing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing unemployment levels that we haven't seen since 1976, the year I was born. Right. And, 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 and you're talking about, you know, uh, um, job vacancies. So you have businesses that desperately want to bring on, you know, new employees. And, And these are high quality jobs, high paying jobs, and they can't fill them. And at the same time, you're seeing record levels of immigration, and that's based on federal policy that's set to continue for the next number of years. And so the preconditions remain in place for, for, for strong housing demand and, 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 you know, the same conditions that were, you know, driving tight market conditions, you know, leading up to the interest rate hike. So do I expect to see lower prices at the end of this year than we saw at the beginning of this year? Absolutely. And we had forecasts that. Like when we came out with our forecast for 2022, you know, it was coming in at an average price of 1.225 million right and and at the time that forecast came out the average selling price was above 1.3 and and so you know that was predicated on you know a a number of interest rate hikes and that having an impact on the market and you know that's starting to feed through we're sitting at about 1.27 right now and so you know we're seeing a bit of a a pullback on pricing but you know is that a is that a long-term sustained trend i don't think so i think we're going to start to see demand pick up again um if not in 2022 then you know as we move into 2023 and people come to terms with higher borrowing costs and don't forget you know i I mentioned psychology earlier i mean there's a lot of people that six months ago were qualifying under the osby stress test at borrowing costs higher than what they'd be getting into right now from a contract perspective Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of households out there that can afford higher borrowing costs uh but they may be sort of waiting to see well what happens from a pricing perspective and and they're seeing if they can perhaps take advantage of that over the next few months and so you know it's a bit of a waiting game but you know again i think the preconditions for demand remain in place so jason some people listening today may say okay Jason Mercer, he's the market analyst for the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. So he's always going to be saying positive things about the real estate market. But in your most objective opinion, where do you see the market going over the next few months and even up to the next year? 
Sure. I mean, I think if you look through the end of 2022, we're going to continue to to see the short term impacts of, of higher borrowing costs. I mean, we've already seen it over the last three months. You know, sales are well off the the record pace that we saw in 2021 and the first couple months of 2022. And there's there's some of that's an affordability perspective. You just have some households that were right on the margin of affordability pre interest rate hike, and so now they need to take a step back and say, look, at I need to reassess what I'm going to purchase, where I'm going to purchase, and and what have you. But you do have another contingent of those people that have moved to the sidelines that very much so can afford to purchase a home today, even in a higher interest rate environment. I mean, don't forget, six months ago, a lot of these home buyers were qualifying under OSFI um, at borrowing costs that are still higher than what their contract rate is today. Um, but they're they're waiting to see, well, what's going to happen with price? Or is it going to slide a little bit further? Or we, when, when is it going to bottom out? And so there are individuals that are going to move back into the market, if not in 2022, then certainly as you move into 2023. And, you know, I'll, I'll just reiterate again, I mean, you know, we're seeing unemployment uh, uh, rate lows that we haven't seen since 1976. We have job openings, um, you know, across a number of different sectors that can't be filled. And we're seeing record levels of immigration. All of that supports housing demand generally, ownership and rental. And I think moving forward, I mean, you know, especially newcomers who, who have a higher propensity to buy uh, than people that were born here are going to continue to see housing as a, as a quality long-term investment. Yeah, for sure. And and, and Toronto was a bargain. <laughs> I, I mean, certainly, I mean, you have people moving from all around the world uh, and, and from countries and jurisdictions where, where home ownership, you know, quite simply isn't an option, whether it be from a from an affordability perspective or a land tenure perspective. And, and I think that bricks and mortar investment, something that you can touch, is important uh, for a lot of people uh, immigrating to Canada. And, and yeah. we certainly benefit from that in the in the greater Toronto area. Yeah, definitely. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. First time I've had you and boy, you're a wealth of information. I'd love to have you back again. Well, look at it. I appreciate you having me on and, and I'd be happy to do it again. Great. Thanks very much. And that's Jason Mercer, the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board's Chief Market Analyst. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. So if you're out there and you want to get into the market, this is a great opportunity, especially this summer. Things will start to pick up again, like Jason says. If you like this episode, please subscribe and you'll get these episodes automatically. And also feel free to forward this episode to a friend. I want to thank my producers, the Story Studio Network. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca and you can follow me on all of the social media platforms. My handle is Des in the Six, and that's spelled number six IX. I also have a website, in the six real estate.com. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown. <laughs>